On episode 275 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn five double strategies to use against aggressive opponents. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is your host, Mirban Iranshad, and today we have a bit of a different episode. Normally, I interview the world's best coaches and pros to help you improve your tennis game. But today I'm going to attempt to help you improve your game solo. So today I'm going to be talking about uh, the five double strategies that I think are well-suited against aggressive opponents from my experiences. And in part, what inspired me to do this episode was a recent match that I had, a doubles match, of course, in the what they call the Arlington County Tennis Association. And... This is my first year joining that league because I actually live in Maryland. And so the drive is, you know, somewhat long, but it's a very enjoyable league where it's less stressful than uh, USCA leagues. Although I love USCA leagues as well for all the potential playoff and travel options that they have there, you know, provided that you actually get that far, of course. But I had a, an act of doubles match. Uh, I played with a 4 0 player named Justin. Shout out to you. And I'm a 5-0. And then we played against two 4-5s. It was a very interesting match. Uh, a little bit frustrating, but really fun. So we were up 6-1-5-4, love 30 on the opponent's serve. And ended up losing that second set in a tiebreak. And the third set uh, was a super breaker, which I think we lost 10-6, if I remember correctly. Something like that. Yeah, it was a cool match. The first set... We both noticed that one of our opponents in particular was just making errors everywhere and, and you know missing a lot of his shots. So we targeted that player. In the second set, uh, at around three all, I unfortunately, when I started sprinting for a ball and I pushed off with my uh, left leg, I instantly fell, felt my calf. I don't know if it popped or what, but it, it was uh, a strain. And I had strained it actually a few days before that, rested it because I really wanted to play this match. And then unfortunately, I strained it again. So my mo mobility was pretty not good. <laughs> so, but you know, even with that, we fought through it. We got to that point where we were close to winning, uh, but then we ended up losing. And obviously, a tough one to take. I do regret, um, you know, Love 30, they were serving to me. And I wish that I had just gone for my backhand return, but instead I tried to lob it over the net player and it was a bit shorter than I wanted to. And I think they, you know, hit a pretty good overhead and, and, you know, we got it back, but then we lost the point. So could have been potentially a love 40 if I had hit a, a good backhand return more aggressively. But anyways, um, I will be seeing an orthopedic doctor, if that's what it is, about my calf tomorrow. So I'm really excited to see what's up with that. and. I have had uh, some recurring hip and knee issues as well that I've been able to manage, but uh, it's definitely something where lesson learned I should have 
more seriously checked it out, you know, earlier because it's very interesting. You know, you get a hip problem, and then other parts of your body compensate. Actually, I think it was first my knee that had the issue way back in the day, and then my hip had issues, and then you know my heel, and then my calf, and so it just kind of goes all around because your your body is trying to compensate uh, other parts of of your leg and or whatever, and so that's what happens. But I know you're not here to just hear about my sob story and injuries. <clears throat> you're here to hear about the five double strategies to use against aggressive opponents. So a couple of things, well, five things. The first one is the hit down the line returns. And I'm not saying you have to do this every time, but I've seen you know, matches where, and I played against opponents that, that they just never hit down the line, even if I'm trying to poach a lot, things like that. And you really need to test the player, the, the, the net player, because if you are just hitting cross court all the time and they're poaching and picking it off, you naturally have to change things around. So if you are able to hit returns down the line, then now they don't know whether they should poach or not. And also me being a net player, when I have somebody who has that ability to just whack a return down the line, it certainly puts a lot more fear, if you will, if that's the right word, or hesitation in my mind than somebody who barely ever goes down the line. I have really great confidence that more often than not, my guess to my attempt to poach will be a successful one percentage-wise because that ball is usually going cross court. So yeah, and I do like hitting down the line in certain situations. It's interesting, you know, it seems like usually on the second serve, the player, uh, players in general don't poach as much because they feel like when they poach off the first serve, they're going to get a weak reply. But there's certainly some really aggressive players that will poach on that second serve as well. But it just isn't as often in my experience. But one one interesting. Um, scenario to hit a down the line return is when you are facing a backhand. Uh, so when the opposing server hits a kick serve or whatever, um, you know, a, a serve to your backhand, that's when opponents I find really like to poach because naturally you think, well, the backhand return is weaker. It's harder for the opponent to hit a down the line return. But if you can actually master that shot, I would say that you definitely have a good chance of passing that player. If they're an aggressive person and like to poach a lot, they'll usually be moving. So you don't even have to hit a very, uh, hit the corners or anything or hit an amazing down the line shot. Sometimes it'll just be open. So something to consider. And similarly, even though this isn't a return, what I love doing is if I'm in a rally at the baseline in doubles, and I'm pushed back and the opponent hits a deep shot. I actually love hitting down the line because aggressive players, whenever they see you, and this is you know a great read, these players are good. Whenever they see you in a compromised position, they will more often than not attempt to poach. And so there've been a lot of times where luckily I'm able to hit these buggy whip forehands. Like let's say I'm on the ad side and I'm, I'm rallying ad side to ad side. And the other baseliner hits a really good deep shot. You know, I may have to back up, but then I actually can buggy whip my ball down the line. And again, you know, I can go for a safe target because that net player is going to cross and then they will be crossing into nothing. <laughs> so that's what I love. Um, so yeah, you know, very specific, depends on your skill set and whatnot. But 
sometimes if you play, sometimes you're playing a chess match, you know, you, 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 you know that they know this is a good time to poach. Therefore you do the opposite. Or sometimes you're just playing, you know, level one players that, that don't really know that. So then you just hit the safe option. So kind of like uh, when I'm playing poker as well, you got to know your opponent and then react accordingly. So the second strategy and one that I was talking with my partner, uh, Justin, you know, he's like I mentioned, he's a 4-0. He's a very good 4-0 actually, but um, he was put under quite a bit of pressure from the four fives because um, naturally, you know, playing against a level above you or half level, I guess, 0.5 better, they their shots may be more more heavier or deeper or a combination of both and stuff, more pace. So one thing you can do is you can hit, uh, you could, well, on the return, you can hit lob returns or, you know, if you're in a rally, uh, lob it at some point. But yeah, I mean, that's what I would say because my partner, it seemed like they were able to, and we talked about this uh, after the match, we, we had some lunch and I had a drink or two and uh, we were talking about how to combat this when you're put under extreme pressure. And then a lot of times the partner, the net player will just poach and just pick off, you know, your partner. So that's what happened to Justin quite a bit. And I mean, you know, they even did that with me as well. But so one way to combat that is to hit a lob, you know, the cross court lob gives you more distance. So that is definitely the safer play as with a, you know, a normal ground strokes and whatnot. Um, but you can also lob it over the net player's backhand as well. And that way you don't have to hit a perfect lob because the backhand overhead is arguably the toughest shot to hit, either the high high backhand volley or the backhand overhead. So that's that's always a good option as well. And that way you kind of reset the point. And that's actually what I was trying to do at Love 30, because the opponent did hit a really good serve. And I was trying to just lob it over the player. So so that takes some practice, obviously. You have to have decent feel and technique. And um, you're usually on the return going to be hitting a, a slice overhead, underspin overhead rather than, you know, topspin one. So yeah, lob returns. Definitely experiment with that. Don't just keep, you know, rallying and, and, and playing to their strengths to where, you know, you guys or gals or whoever, you hit a couple cross courts and then, you know, you're having trouble with, with the cross court rally. So then your, your opponent, uh, the net player is able to cross and pick you off. Don't just keep doing that over and over again. You got to switch it up. And the lob is very effective too, because then it forces both players to scramble and kind of changes up the formation as well. Because if you lob that net player, all of a sudden the net player has to switch to the other side and so does the baseliner and you introduce different dynamics as well. So you can play around with that to get a you know more favorable setup um, as far as the players on you know their locations on the court. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The third strategy is to get to the net first. So obviously aggressive opponents, they're generally trying to get to the net first. So what you do is you take control of the point instead of them. So of course you've heard that sometimes the best defense is a good offense and you're taking away their preferred play by getting there. And then you're, you can be the one who 
you know, hits the volleys and, you know, hits them to the net player, ideally, so that they have less time to to react. And that, that's a big strategy, too. I mean, you definitely, and I was just watching this, um, you know, I, I was reviewing a couple double strategy videos and whatnot. And, you know, a common theme is uh, just trying to target that opposing net player because they, they have barely any time to react. And, you know, sometimes you see incredible hands by the pros, you know, amateurs, it's, it's extremely difficult. So vast majority of the time, if you hit a, especially a low volley to the net player, they are not going to be successful at all. So don't be afraid to hit to the net player. You don't have to name, uh, aim at their head or something like that. I mean, actually you shouldn't do that because for sure, because it'll go out probably, but you know, just, uh, aim it low at their feet, things like that. A very respectable shot that no one will complain about. And if you do happen to hit them, um, I joke with, uh, some of my friends, sternum, sternum shots, if you will. Um, you can always apologize, but yeah, so get to the net first before your opponents is one play and, you know, skill dependent as well, as you'll see for the next tip. If you are a good volleyer or have decent volleys, even, I think this is a, a great option. So obviously how to get to net first, you know, serve and volley, but also just being more aggressive in general, you know, maybe taking more of a chance in chip and charging off the serve. I think you call that, that a saber or chip and charge when you get a short ball. And actually, you know, when you chip, then the slower slice will give you more time to close the net, which is great. And then in that case, you know, as long as they're not good lobbers and they don't keep lobbing you, then you have a better chance at making your volleys, like reaction volleys and whatnot. You can also lob and charge the net, which is great as well. So going along with the lob returns, um, strategy number two, you can chip over the player and then rush the net. So that way you take away their ability to stay in control of the point and you're in control. So definitely think you should consider that. However, uh, strategy number four is play two back. And you might be thinking, bro, this is doubles. We need to be two at the net all the time. Um, and certainly this is the opposite of the first strategy, but it can also work very well. It's certainly controversial. I've had some coaches you know, comment like, go to, you know, you got to be at the net. What are you doing? Things like that. But I found it to work again in certain situations against certain opponents. It's because you can play better defense because the opponents can't exploit the net player. Think, of, think about, you know, in this setup, you know, I'm playing with a 4-0 and I played even with three fives before, which is even tougher. You know, the eight five combo, they call it in the USCA, where, you know, my, my partner will serve the ball and it's like a really slow serve. Or, or my partner is rallying with the other team and like, you know, they can't hit as, you know, as good of a ground stroke. And then you're just a sitting duck there where they can just take the volley, um, you know, catch it or, or intercept it and then hit at you and, and the point's done. So, and in that, those cases, you should actually be standing, you know, farther back. So you have more reaction time if you, if you are at the net, but instead you can play two back and that way. You can also use your strengths. For instance, you know, what if you have fantastic ground strokes, but you have suboptimal volleys? You're not confident at your volleys. Why would you make yourself hit a bunch of volleys if you're not good at them? You know, that makes sense, right? So you got to utilize your strengths against your opponent's weaknesses. So again, if you have, if, if you have pretty good volleys or average volleys, even, you know, I, I would advocate for them to get to net first. But if you have much better ground strokes, then 
there's no shame in, in utilizing that. And I do that a lot where I'll serve and stay back and, and hit really heavy forehands because I, you know, that's my biggest strength in my entire game. So, and I did this in, in fact, it was actually the suggestion of my good friend Diego. Uh, this was a, I think it was a government league match, but we were losing 4-1 in the first set. And he was like, hey, amigo, let's do two back. Let's try it out. I was like, all right, I'm down. And then we won 6-2-6-1. And it, you know, it just, it gave the opponents a totally different look. It just changed, you know, their game plan. And uh, well, maybe it didn't because they just weren't able to adjust really. So, and we were able to get more balls back um, from them. So yeah, it worked really well. And again, you know, don't listen to certain players or coaches that say this isn't something you should do. I mean, I, I even remember interviewing uh, Francis TFO and Dennis Kudla at the City Open might have been like four years ago or so, probably. And and you can find on my YouTube channel, actually, t- uh, Tennis Files. I think it's, you know, what is it? YouTube.com slash Tennis Files or TennisFiles.com slash YouTube. Both will work. And you have to go digging, though. And and yeah, I asked them because they, they play two back a lot. And I said, uh, you know, the conventional, you know, accepting way to play is two up and they're like well with the modern game and the modern technology of the rackets and and such two back is viable so there you go i as as with all matches evaluate yourself and your opponents and then see what strategies will work the best and strategy cinco strategy number five is to keep the ball low against these aggressive opponents i mean if you are keeping the ball up, then you're allowing them to poach and hit down on the ball. And I mean, this is really a universal strategy in doubles. You know, you want to be hit, be able to hit dipping returns and dipping ground strokes. Slice return chips are fantastic. Justin did a great job of that. He was pulled wide on the ad side a couple of times and he hit some really good slice um, backhand returns down low. And that was great too, because one of our opponents had extreme grips. And so he had a lot of trouble with the low balls and missed them. So that was great. And so, yeah, I mean, you want to keep the ball low, make them hit up. And when you make your opponents hit up on the ball, then you get the the shots that are popped up and then you can be aggressive. Uh, you don't want it to be the opposite way, uh, opposite way around of giving them the put away shots. So yeah, definitely practice those dippers. Uh, you do need some soft hands, so you want to relax your arms and uh, just get a feel for that. You know, I, I suggest actually when you're when you're in the warm up, and you should be doing this too anyway. They assess the player by giving them different shots, give them slices, give them high top spin balls to their forehands, backhands. You know, hit hit the body even a couple times, and then also when they're at the net, give them some dippers and see how they handle that. You know, so these are all ways you can give yourself a better chance of winning. So again, the five double strategies to use against aggressive opponents, one down the line returns and even just ground, uh, ground strokes while rallying. Number two, lob returns. Number three, get to the net first. But number four, play two back and try that out. Number five, keep the ball low. So I would highly encourage you to try to implement any of these strategies during your next doubles match, especially if you're playing against an aggressive opponent, and then let me know how that goes for you. All right. Well, I really do appreciate you listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and the other interviews and and 
and whatnot and find value from it, then I would really uh, appreciate it very much if you would leave a review for the show and you can do that in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. And you can go to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts with an S at the end to do that. Uh, or just do it in your, on your favorite app. I just find that Apple Podcasts gives the best ROI for the show in terms of more viewers and people who can find the show and benefit from it. So thanks so much in advance. I also want to leave you with a quote as I do at the end of every show. And this one is by Coco Chanel. Huh. And Coco said, success is most often achieved by those who don't know that failure is inevitable. Uh, that's a great quote there. So yeah, it's going to be interesting for me because I'm seeing the ortho doctor, I don't know the proper term, sports medicine specialist uh, tomorrow, and I'm going to see what's up. So I really hope that, and I'm really actually excited about being able to find a path to fully recover because, you know, my left leg has never really, hasn't been at, you know, full strength for a while. And I feel like that affects quite a bit of things, you know, from, uh, you know, weight transfer, movement. And it's it's funny because um these days, like people give me a lot of compliments about how fast I am. And, you know, I'm running on, you know, a leg and a half or whatever it is, a leg and a three fourths. I don't know, but I'm able to get to a lot of shots and I'm really fast. So if I'm able to recover and be able to fully explode off of not just my right leg, but also my left, that would be fantastic. So Again, you know, less, I would really highly suggest for you all to not put off, you know, trying to fully heal something because then you can have problems later down the line. And, you know, when you get older, then all of a sudden your whatever part of your body is deteriorated and you can't enjoy things as much. So there you go. There's the spiel. Um, I hope that you uh, found some value from that too. But yeah, definitely in- implement at least one of these strategies. Let me know it works for you. Email me at Mirbon um, at tennisfiles.com. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N at tennisfiles.com. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you on the next one. I'm out. Take care. All the best to you and see you on the, the uh, <laughs> and see you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.